Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to another episode of the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. This episode, I have another special guest, Jeremy Sanders of Crew First Culture. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited as always to talk some fire stuff, some leader stuff, whatever, whatever you got. So looking forward to it. And this is a true honor to be here with you today. I've been following you for since I found you on Instagram all the years ago and just love everything you post, everything you write about, everything you say in your podcast. So to have you on mine, especially at the really the initial stages of this, it really truly is an honor. It means a lot. And you're an inspiration to the fire service. And um, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. I mean, I, I don't know that it deserves all of that, but it's kind of cool to you know, to have somebody that was on my podcast quite a while back to kind of get their own show going and and keep moving along. So uh, congratulations with that and with the book and looking forward to seeing what you have left come to. Thank you. It's uh, just starting out. So I hope uh, hope people like it. And, hopefully, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can put out some good messages. So really, people who don't know who you are who are listening to this. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this know who you are, but who doesn't know who you are? Um, just tell me a little bit about yourself, about Jeremy Sanders. So, yeah, Jeremy Sanders. I live up by Tulsa, Oklahoma with my family. Beautiful wife. We've got seven kids total, a big blended family. Several of them have moved out because of uh, gotten to that age, but still got several at home. I uh, live on a small 10-acre farm used to have lots and lots of animals we've kind of kind of downsized that quite a bit just because of you know the time is taken away from family and, and doing other stuff so we're pretty minimal as far as animals not right now but uh i've i work in a department just north of oklahoma city in july it'll be 20 years so it's a kind of a big day coming up and I have been in the rank of captain for, I believe, five years now, four or five years. It's starting to kind of bleed together, but uh, I think five years, but I love it, man. I, I've, I've really enjoyed almost every rank. There, there was one particular that I did not enjoy, but uh, being an officer, being in charge of a crew and, and having the ability to kind of lead us in a direction I feel we we need to be and and have that you know that responsibility has been i don't know it's, it's been awesome I, I've, I love every minute of it it's it's been very hard it's been very challenging but i just i really enjoy it so that's kind of the short version of me i mean i guess the real important question of all that is um what type of animals do you have on the farm <laughs> well like i said right now we don't have we've got some chickens we've got some goats and donkeys but in the past we've had geese and ducks and peacocks and pigs and god i don't even know we have had some sheep at one time 
pretty much anything, turkeys, anything you can think of, we've, <laughs> we've had at some point. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a much more boring farm now, but in the, in the other, in the old days when we had all that stuff, man, it was a lot of work. So I, I'll trade it out a little bit because it gives us a lot of time to do more things we want to do. So. Oh yeah. I hear you. I mean, where I live, we have suburban little rural. So we have a lot of farms by where I'm, I live and, uh, just driving around, I see a lot of stuff like that all day. So it's a little weird because I didn't grow up in this area. From a firefighter, we don't have that as well. So seeing yeah. it every day, living is different, but it, it's really a, it's relaxing at the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, just just to be around animals a lot more. Oh yeah. So let's uh start this off, man. Um, I've been seeing a lot of stuff you've been posting, especially with your new recruits coming on. A lot of stuff, stuff you just posted about that book you put for your for your uh, new recruit coming on. The yeah. Handbook. And I'm thinking, I was thinking about it a little bit and what do you do for them as far as a new recruit or even a transfer to learn your crew and to learn your expectations and what needs to be done to operate? So, man, this, my, my uh, career experience is almost in two phases, I would say. And I, I don't mean to get off into a big story before they answer, but Let's do it. before I became a captain, it, it's almost like that was a whole different career. Once I became a captain and had that responsibility and all that, it's, it's almost been a completely different career for me. As in, I feel like I started out level zero. I, I knew nothing. I, I knew what I wanted kind of to accomplish, but I had no idea how to do it. It was, it's been a, a gigantic learning experience this whole time. So as we've gone through these years of that with my crew, you know, we pretty much just constantly evolving. And, and the reason I bring all that up is because this is our, our second uh, recruit to, to have on our crew. We got, we had one, I think is right at two years ago was our first. And so we kind of, that was the start of a, a very new process for us to, to really kind of understand the, the responsibilities that we had as a crew to, to mold and, and help this person come on. And, you know, in that two years, we've, we've learned a lot, we've grown a lot, uh, and we've figured out some things that continue to need to get better. So this time going into it, you know, I, you mentioned the uh, the post I put out, which we can get into here in a little bit, so I don't go too far off track. But my department doesn't do doesn't have any kind of task books or or anything really for crews, officers, new recruits, whatever, to kind of guide them along that process. And so, just thinking that it would be nice to have some type of document to help us along that process and kind of put out some feelers to, to get some ideas of what we can do and figure that at the very least, we can at least create one for my crew. And so that's, that is going to be a big piece of that this time. It's brand new, so we have not used it before, but that task book is going to help us kind of have an idea of, of what we need to work on and, and different skills and, and things like that to, to focus on if, if they're, if we ever, come upon something that they're struggling with and so that's that's going to be a really good tool for us another thing that is brand new this time is his our uh, our recruit 
basically his first day, pretty much his first two days, we told him, you are not here to, you know, serve us and, and clean and, and all that stupid crap that everybody always pins on the new person. You know, that's, that's historically been what I've experienced through my career is when they come on, that's their biggest job is, is to clean and, and cook and all that. And I get it. I'm not saying that we're relieving them from those duties, but their job when they come on to my crew is to learn the rig, learn all the tools, figure out where medical equipment is, figure out how we run the scene. And so we really let him just dive deep into all of that for, you know, a good day, two days before we kind of got into anything else. And I think that was a very good, very good way to do it. You know, like I said, it was the first time to do it. Everybody, all the other guys on the, the crew were on board with it. So I was happy that I didn't have anybody throwing a fit about, you know, kind of that mindset and it seemed to work really well. So, you know, I basically what we talked about before he came on is we're just going to kind of trade off, you know, if, if there's something to do, then one or two of us can be in there doing it. And then the other ones can be out there going through something else with the recruit while things are going on. And, and it's worked really well. So I, I think that's been a, a big kind of step in the right direction for us. Yeah, I mean, just how you explained it and everything you're talking about, it goes into, I guess, in a sense of culture shock, too. You know, kind of avoid that, in a sense, or try to eliminate it as best you could. Because you're going into something new, you, you know, expectations are high for everybody. And just to have something that they can refer to and understand how to adapt, how to adjust, they can keep that for their career, keep that for their next assignment, or even if they, they move up in rank, it's something that they can utilize for newer people, transfers or anything else. And, you know, it just seems like something that is so simple that a lot of people would have. And you see oftentimes a lot of people don't have that type of stuff. Yeah. Have, and, and my department's one, you know, we're just now starting to put stuff like that together as well to get these new people in and what they're expected to do and, know the rigs and that's the one problem to me is one of the hardest things is to you know you have them do bathroom duty you have them do kitchen duty and stuff but knowing the rig to me is probably one of the hardest things to do especially as a new guy you don't want to you don't want to mess up you know so to have that that layout for them it's it's comforting and it's a welcoming thing too it's like man yeah. this guy uh this crew got their stuff together and you know they care for me and, and they want to see me do well. And yeah. I, I think, I, when I saw you post that, I'm like, this is great. This is a, a great thing, man. Well, I think I think one of the coolest things that, that he actually kind of told me is, you know, on, on their graduation, we we kind of got all this stuff together before so I could I could have it ready. But on their at their graduation when they were when it was all over and you know, I'm going to meet him and and shake his hand and all that. Well, I had I had our handbook whatever you want to call it our station handbook of, of things and I gave it to them right there you know it it had our kind of our vision our mission the things that I as an officer kind of expect from everybody it's got our playbook which is our writing assignments in it and it's got that uh that task book the recruit task book in it and I I told them because I knew you know if you have you're brand new and you have an officer give you this 
before your first because our his first shift was the next day it was it was like he's graduating he's coming on I didn't want him to totally suck himself into this thing but there were a few things like the expectations and things like that that I would have I liked him to familiarize familiarize himself with that night and told him you know don't worry about the rest of it but he said that you know, he was the envy of the rest of the, the uh, recruit class because, you know, they wished that they had something like that to kind of look at and go over. And that, that kind of made me, it felt good. I mean, because, you know, it, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work that uh, my crew put into to kind of accomplishing that and getting it all in writing and everything. And so to hear something like that, it was, it was, it was pretty neat. And one of the best things you said is the crew put time into this. So it was a, it was a uh, collaboration of, of your experiences, your expectations, plus theirs. So everybody is working together. And again, that goes back to your, your social media, crew first culture. It all goes into it. You know, you, you really truly live by that name, by crew first culture. And really, that is what gravitates so many things that you post to a lot of stuff that, that I like is how you you walk it and you talk everything, you know, you live it. It's not just a, a facade and you're, you're saying it every day in the firehouse, yeah. out the firehouse. You, you had them ready. You're like, it kind of r- reminds me if you ever read the book, step up and lead by uh, oh, yeah. chief. Yep. And um, you know, he's a Jersey guy, just like me. And I've met him a few times. Great guy. The stuff you're saying about that book or the, um, that you put together for your crew kind of plays right into into that book it kind of made me think about it and talk about the three u's of unaware unable and willing kind of plays into it all and kind of just shows that you know you're stepping up and you're leading and you're having your crew lead too so it's a yeah. it's a part of effort it's not just a one-man show um, that kind of plays into what else i want to talk to you about you talk about writing assignments a little bit that was a question i ask a lot of people offline about this a lot when I go teach different fire departments around New Jersey, I'll ask them questions like, what do you do for Ryan assignments? When I talk engine company operations a lot and some companies don't have it. They have whatever seat you're sitting in. If it's a certain seat in the apparatus, that's what you're, you have an assignment based on that seat or the company officer turns around and says, you got the nozzle, you got the irons, you got this, you got that. Some have a board. So before you get in the rig, you know, when you show up that day, what your assignment is, Going in, yeah. what what's your thoughts on how, how do you guys handle that and your thoughts behind it? Man, I, the, it's it's so interesting. And you kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, there's just a lot of crews that don't have these things like the writing assignments and task books and stuff like that. And I get it because up until probably two years ago, I didn't know what writing assignments were. I mean, I spent the first 18 years of my career, which included every bit of it as a firefighter, not having writing assignments or even hearing that term. Uh, what it was for us was if you were behind the officer and the fire was on your side, well, you had the nozzle or whatever else the officer wanted to tell you before they got out. And you didn't, you literally didn't know what you were doing until you pulled up on scene. And back then, that's just what, that's what I knew. I didn't know any different. I just, I thought that's how it operated. And so now that that kind of that mindset was brought to me, I started realizing, gosh, especially as an officer now, 
why would I want to arrive on scene and start having to dish out all these assignments that should already already be known? And so that it was it was an amazing kind of eye opening experience to me to to really see the impact that these writing assignments have on a scene, because for me and my crew now, now that we have them, my goal is to arrive on scene. There might be something that, you know, I have to say real quick to them, but as soon as our doors open, my goal is to not say a word to anybody else until we meet at the front door ready to go in because everybody should, you know, as long as there's not some, some, audible that needs to be called or something. Everybody should know what they're doing. And I, I don't want to involve myself in everything that they're doing. I, I work with professionals. We, we work very hard and, and put a lot of time into knowing our job and, and knowing how to do it. So I'm not going to be paying attention to anything they're doing. I trust them to do it. And that takes so much of a load off of me. It, it allows me to focus on what I should be focusing on, you know, your 360, your additional hazards or anything like that, that because if I am sucked into the, hey, you pull the pre-connect around this and go here and do that, I, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And so it's really helped me. And and for for us, just to kind of answer your question a little bit more directly, we've, we've got, yeah, I call it a book, whatever, it's, it's got, you know, basic stuff like a bread and butter house fire. This is what each person does or a standpipe uh, multi-level housing unit. This is what each person does. There, there's just different situations. And no, you're not going to be able to label everything that comes up. But to to get a good grasp of kind of the, the most possible situations we're going to face is kind of what we do and and it's worked really well you know it gives us a kind of a, a, a footprint to kind of go off of and and it's interesting because every time we go and and practice some of this especially at the apartment complexes and things like that it it kind of shows us well maybe this will work better and, and we've had to tweak things a lot because it looks great on paper but until you actually go out and do it in person and see how it really flows in action, you don't know how it does. So putting it on paper is a good step, but really getting out and doing it is, is how you figure out what is really going to work the best. Yeah. I mean, uh, we just started doing that kind of same concept. We have it on paper. We have it hung up in our firehouse. So the assignments, we kind of do more of a seat assignment for right now. You know, if you're in a certain seat, you know, you notice what you're going to be doing. Um, but we also, what we do is we came up with a concept where we have guys rotate when we go in training. So we'll tell everybody, everybody has to practice on the nozzle for that crew. Everybody has to practice backup. So everybody kind of understands each role yeah. that's being fed on an engine. Because I, I always think about it as you never know what's going to happen next, today, tomorrow, the next day. Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? And any audibles that might happen. Somebody gets hurt yeah. while it's going on. So. You know, I, I, I never liked the excuse I didn't know because oh, yeah. you can train through that and, and you can make the, you could train with four guys, three guys, and you could kind of make the scenarios um, in training. So I, I was looking through a lot of your stuff and a lot of the stuff you talk about and a lot of stuff you post, especially with engine company, you pull a lot of, um, you do a lot of uh, hose line stretches and different advancements. I saw you just, I think you did some the other day, you posted about doing some stretching. 
as Captain Sanders, Captain Sanders, and what you're doing on an engine, why is it important? Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, it's an obvious question and obvious <laughs> answers. But some people don't look at it that way when they're listening to it, or younger firefighters might really get it. But why it is important to practice hose advancements, hose stretches in realistic environments, like you're going out into areas, into multi-dwelling occupancies and in different areas in your in your in your town, practicing these stretches. Why is that is so important other than just pulling up in a lot and just pulling them out and practicing how they practice in the field? And it's just preparation. Uh, the probably the post you're talking about that most recently, I think it was the kind of the first practical situation that we put our, our recruit through a couple of days ago was took them to a splash pad. Okay, that sounds kind of silly, but if you think about it, a splash pad is an amazing place that you could set up all kinds of situations. You can go around you know, the posts and the, the, the obstacles and all that. And so it was a great opportunity to really put all these different scenarios out with them. For us, we just want to try to alleviate surprises. Like one of my firefighters is great about just continuing the process, even when something's messed up. So he pulled a, a line when we were there and it got all jacked up and twisted on him. And we were about to stop him and help him kind of clean it up. But he's like, no, no, I'm just going to go. And he did it. And because, you know, his mindset is when it happens on scene, he wants to be able to know he can do it and work through those, those mistakes or, or those mess ups or accidents or whatever. And so that's kind of the mindset is we want to not be surprised on scene. So as much as we can do as many different situations as we can do scenarios it's going to help us have that confidence to know that no matter what's there we're going to be able to accomplish that goal and no matter what's there we at least have a pretty good idea of, of how to maneuver around that the best we can because we've done it and i think that's kind of the mindset behind it yeah that's uh you know going back to stuff I, i've you know i see a lot of guys a lot of departments they'll just stretch hose into an open field and just, and just practice flowing water. It's great, you know, but I've always been under the impression to try to make it as realistic as possible, safe as well. And I was actually looking at that post just now when you were talking about it, just to go back and refresh my memory. And I saw the splash pad and that's something we just have opened up in our, and right down the street from our firehouse, we opened um, YMCA just opened up not too long ago and they have a splash pad. So it gives me some ideas on uh, what to do over there. Cause we use, um, we have a playground right around the corner. Yep. So we use that a lot. Uh, yep. We also have our own training facility in town. So we're always there stretching stuff. And even in our firehouse, we'll stretch through the bays if we have to. And we're always preaching, keep it real, you know, keep it realistic, but don't over-exaggerate it at times. But sometimes we do to cope, like you said, have that mindset, like you're like your firefighter, you know, it could happen anytime. And we try to make things as realistic as possible. So, you know, we're ready for whatever can be thrown at us. We can't predict everything, but, you know, seeing the stuff you're putting out there with your crew and how you're doing this stuff, I just felt that, you know, ask, bring it up and see, see what your thoughts were on that because yeah, it's just, it's just great stuff to put out there and people don't yeah. think about it that way. They, you know, yeah. they don't, and you know, 
it's obvious, but it, it sometimes just needs to be needs to be said. Yeah. At that, at that same time. Outside of that, outside of hose advancements, hose stretches, basic basic fire suppression, I guess you want to say. What in your mind makes a strong engine company? Other type of assignments that need to get done. There's, you know, everybody thinks fire suppression, think engine company, but what else is out there that you believe an engine company should really, really take into into practice and as well? Matt. I'm sure it's probably not the answer you're you're thinking that I'm going to go or the direction I'm going to go, but honestly, it's it's at the firehouse and it's not it's not the the training, the physical hands-on stuff. It's the spending time together. I've seen in, in this three four year process that we've really kind of focused on growing the culture and and gaining some ground in that area. That is probably one of the biggest differences I see between great crews and the the crews that are you know they're they're good firefighters they're they're a good they're a good crew but they aren't just great but what the difference is is those great crews that that really are close and really get the job done no matter what they are they are a crew that invests time in each other they they find, you know, ways to enjoy each other's company. They are close as far as off-duty talking about family stuff. They are, they spend time eating together. We love to, right now, it's it's cornhole is, is kind of our game of choice, or it's been pickleball, or, you know, whatever else. It's just we spend time together building relationships, building closeness, and so that right there has made a foundation that everything else is built off of. So, so now that we have that, that trust, that respect, that care for, for each other, now we go out, we train, we, we bring that trust and we bring that respect out to the training grounds and it, it helps us enjoy that. You know, it's not just dragging our feet out because, you know, it's time to do this or that. We try to have fun no matter what we're doing. And, and so that's been probably the biggest learning experience that I have just kind of seen from both my crew and other crews is, is that intimate time of the crew, the, what they spend together as, as far as the difference maker. And, and I think that's a huge, huge thing. And I think a lot of people overlook that, you know, I, I'd never understood the, the whole mindset of, well, when you become an officer, you got to separate yourself and, and you can't be close to anybody anymore. I just, I can almost kind of see a little bit of, of the reasoning behind it, but I just, I cannot disagree anymore because for me, that's one of the most important pieces of, of the positive, positive moves we've made as a crew is because I don't believe that I, I want to be, I want to have a good relationship with everybody. I want to be close to everybody. And so that's, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. It's, it's actually interesting. You actually brought that up. I was, uh, as you're talking about this whole thing, I was thinking a couple of years ago, a good friend of mine, my mentor, really, I consider him a mentor in the fire service. He got promoted in his department. And I said to him, how do you feel? And he said, the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do what you said. 
learn my crew. I'm not going to be hands off. I'm not going to kind of distance myself. I'm nervous, but I want to know each person. I want to know who they are. I want to know their families. I want to know their interests because I need to build that, that, that connection. And you do see that. It's like you could see that when you're, when you step on that apparatus, right? And you know something has to get done. Words don't need to get exchanged because they just have that sense with each other. They know what everybody's thinking. They know they got my back. Yeah. If I have to stretch that line, I know my backup man's going to be there. I know what Jeremy's thinking in a sense. I know what his job is. He's going to be doing a size up. He's going to be making sure we get our job done because he has his job to do. And we've worked together. We've ate together and broke bread together, did all that stuff. It's not foreign. It's not, it's almost like it's not rehearsed in a sense. It's just a natural, a natural sense. And you see that in everything. When people can't mesh well together, they can't work together. And I think a lot of times people say you got to know all these aspects, but if you don't even know each other, it's not going to work out to the way you want it. And I was listening to your podcast the other, actually yesterday, and it was one podcast, your latest one you just put out. And I was kind of feeling down. Yes. The last couple of days, it's not really myself kind of mentally beat up and, um, you know, you said leadership isn't for the weak. And immediately I just went and just wrote it down and just listened to a 45 minute or so podcast you had. And it just made so many different, it kind of just changed my mentality for that day. And there wasn't a lot about firefighting there. There's a lot about leadership and, and just stuff you're going through. And it just really made sense that, yeah, we all want to be great firefighters. We all want to have this strong crew. We all want to know everything. But if you're not working together in every aspect, it's not, you're banging your head against the wall in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it kind of gets me into what I really want to talk to you all also about was going back to actually stuff you've posted. You post a lot with, um, you have a forced entry door. I've noticed you have it. You have one made, have your, your logo on it and everything with a uh, mall. And you also have mall tools you've been posting about a lot. What's your thoughts with forcible entry and engine company operations? Like, do you think it's a vital tool to have? And I, there's people who said, no, no, that's a truck company. That's a rescue company thing. But I've been the one to say, well, we have tools on the apparatus. We have saws on the apparatus for a reason on the engine. There's reasons you have to have these things. Do, do you agree with that kind of assessment that we have these tools for a reason? Yeah, and that's, man, that's a, that's a question that each department is going to have to answer differently. You know, I, I don't think the majority of American fire service departments have the luxury of dedicated truck companies that that's their job. I think for the most part, if you're on an engine, you're responsible for not only the uh, fire suppression, but you're responsible for getting in the door. You're responsible for laddering the building. If you're doing some type of above ground search, you're, you're going to be responsible for pretty much everything because you don't have those dedicated people doing that. And that's what we are. You know, we have a, we have an aerial truck, but 
it's just it's just engine crews that kind of rotate around on it. it they don't have specific jobs associated with that truck it's it's engine crews doing whatever needs to be done and so if that's what you have then yeah absolutely you have to be squared away at all of that stuff and yeah that's going to make your job harder it's you don't have that luxury of just focusing on the the hose work and the you know the deployments and and working with nozzle patterns and and flowing and moving you you've got to really stretch yourself out and and get into the force of entry. You've got to stretch yourself out and get comfortable with ladders and, and things like that as well. And so if you do have that luxury, that's great. I mean, I, I, I think that's a, a great thing to have, but for the most part, it's just not, a, it's just not very, uh, it's not very normal to have that. In, and I would say it's just kind of what I hear in America. So there's a lot of people out there having to do it all. And that's kind of where we are at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that as well. I mean, for here, we have a lot of urban up near New York city and area and they have, they're able to break it out. They're able to break out truck engine, but for a lot of areas, it's not that case. And um, the, the comparison between companies, I believe at the same time, you can't compare one company to the next one town to the next. It's just not a fair assessment in any way, shape or form based on everything setup, demographics money you know it definitely plays part into how our how we, we run our operations day to day so i've always found that an interesting question to ask people um in passing and just the stuff you've been posting about you have engine company you've been doing a lot of force entry stuff so it was an interesting question i felt hey why not throw it out there to jeremy see what he thinks about it because i've been saying it people looking like i'm crazy but uh, i always say we have it on there for a reason and, you know, we should know what to do with it and we should, yeah. we should train on it because you never know when your number is going to be called, as they say, to, to go to work. Though, really, the last thing I really want to talk to you or ask you about, honestly, is crew first culture. I, I've heard you talk about this a bunch of times, but I really want to just have you say it one more time. The mantra, do work, be humble. Yeah, I knew right away. I knew right away when you're on a fire, uh, fire and iron podcast. I was listening to it on my bike, and he's and you said you got the do work piece. And before you said it, <laughs> I was I just said I know where he's going with this because <laughs> I was a fan. I was a fan of it. So for those who don't know, where did you come up with do work, be humble? So, like you said, I. The, the do work was basically two pieces. The do work part, I've got to give credit to, uh, I think it's Big and Rob or Robin Big, whatever MTV show. Is that, is that where you're going with it? That's where I'm going with it. Yeah. I knew right away so when you said it. Back, I don't even know how long it's been. long time ago, we were sucked into that at the fire station. That was kind of a big thing that we, we watched goofy guys with lots of money just screwing around all day and it was it was a funny show but that's kind of that was their sayings do work son and i don't know i don't it's just a goofy thing but it literally has always kind of stuck with me from from that point on and the the stay humble part is just kind of who who i want to be you know i i want to i want to remain humble no matter what and i feel like that's a huge huge piece of leadership and I, that's 
that stay humble and do work. That's kind of who I want to be as a leader. And, and so just kind of, that's, that's where it comes from us. And that's why I enjoy it so much. It's just a kind of a goofy saying, but you know, I've got a radio strap that says do work son on it. And maybe I wear it out a little bit too much, but I don't know. I just love it. It's, it's, it's funny. Hey man, if it works, go with it. Right. I mean, yeah. we have a guy in my fire and he does the same thing when it's time to do work. He's like, it's do work. And yeah. we know what he means, but it's, it's captivating. And it actually is kind of motivating to hear those words do work and you know what it's, what it's time to do and uh, put it all aside, do the work. And, you know, at the end we laugh about it, but it, it's, um, it was something that when you first put it out, I was like, oh man, I like that. That's a really good saying. And it just makes so much sense, especially in the business that we're in. Do work yeah. and be humble because that's what it is. So what's next? What's next for, for you? What's next for Crew First Culture? What you got coming on, coming down the pike? Man, I, it's just, you just never know. Uh <laughs> I started doing a little bit of public speaking last year at some conferences and, and realized that I really, really enjoyed it. And so I think that's going to be kind of a direction that I want to really pursue a little bit more of kind of as time goes by, hopefully kind of creating some classes and different things like that to, to be prepared for that. Uh, podcast is man, it's hit and miss right now, to be honest. I, there's so many things going on and, just struggling with a lot of things kind of personally that that it's just when I feel like there's something I have to say, I'm going to sit down and record it. But I just, I haven't done a lot here lately. I've, I've got several great topics and, and several people that I've been talking to about discussing these things, but I just haven't really ironed them out to, to do it. But, but really looking forward to kind of getting back into that, hopefully a little bit more, but just, just kind of keeping my eyes open to, to whatever's there. You know, that's, that's kind of the way I've tried to be this whole time. It's a constant balancing act. I, if something new comes up, I got to keep realizing that I've got to give something up to gain something new, because if I don't, then, you know, my, my balance starts kind of leaning away from my family and, and I tend to, to have issues with that. So I've got to really kind of focus on, on all, all of that, but, just looking forward to, to kind of what's to come that the, uh, task book stuff, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that we talked a little bit about that. I do want to mention that before we go, because I think it's going to be such an awesome tool for anybody, anybody and everybody to have. And so what I'm, what I'm doing, if you haven't seen the post or heard of it, is originally I was just looking for some ideas for myself. And then one of the comments to that original post was, hey, maybe you should put this out in a Google document for everybody else. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do that, but it sounds cool. And so that's what I've done. I've, I've got a, a Google document file right now that I can give the link to anybody that wants it. And it's got task books. It's got some evaluation stuff. It's got lots of things. And hopefully more and more over time and so anybody that is wanting that reach out to me and I'll get that link to you but even more importantly if you've got stuff that you want to share like anything task book anything evaluate anything training wise good material to read whatever 
you can email that to me at crewfirstculture or crewfirstculture at yahoo.com and I'll stick it in that folder and, and we'll continue to share it. But I think that's going to be a really, really cool resource for lots of people. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's really good because you can pick what you're doing in your department and share it across. And you uh, you thinking about ever getting into the to bigger conferences, trying to get to a firehouse or FDIC. I could see you, see you going to them and getting some. I try. I actually did apply for for Firehouse this year. Didn't make it, but that's fine. You know, there's I yeah. got accepted to Lake of the Ozarks in July, which I was there last year. Really excited about that. That's really great conference. Good times and really great conversations, and just looking forward to that. And I will be at the Safer Conference in North Carolina in I believe it's August. So a couple, couple of conferences that I got accepted to and excited about, and hopefully next year, maybe a couple more, and we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. But yeah. Keep chipping away. What, uh, what yep. are you talking about? What's your topics on these conferences? So these two this year will be, it's called uh, Impact Beyond Your Firehouse Walls, basically. And it's just talking about kind of really kind of my journey, you know, you, the crew first journey of finding out that to truly have the full impact that, that you can have, you've got to go beyond your, your department. You've got to get out and, and kind of meet other people, meet people from different departments, really start to share your impact beyond that department. Because I've, I've talked to so many people that they just don't have any reach at their department. I mean, big names in the fire service, they don't have any say or they don't they aren't allowed to spread their message in their own department it's just it's crazy you know these people are speaking across the nation but they're not allowed to to do that at their own department i but that just tells you right there that if you don't know that if if you don't know that you're not the only one that's kind of hitting walls at your department well you might just you might get frustrated and give up so hearing the stories of people that that really get outside of their comfort zone and start to reach out beyond those walls and and really start to gain some impact beyond their normal that's hopefully going to inspire others to to do the same and and so I'm looking forward to that to uh kind of have some good conversation and share some stories and and maybe uh help some people out in that area Absolutely. I'd, uh, I'd love to see you get out there in more conferences, especially up here in the Northeast, man. It'd be great to have you here doing some stuff because yeah. you got such a good message and everything you post is just, it resonates with, I think a lot of people don't want to say, and you're yeah. saying it and you're bringing it out and you know, that's what we need out of the complacency, get out of that zone and, and feel like you're making an impact because I, I can tell you, man, there's guys that I've talked to, on the podcast, on their podcast, or or just on the tell on on the phone, almost like telephone, like back in the nineties <laughs> here. But, um, you know, that said, they don't have impact, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm looking at them like I'm like they're crazy. Yeah. But you know, it's like the sage: you can't be a prophet in your own backyard. But when you have guys that are going across the country, across the across the world, they might know a thing or two. They might see a thing or two that you know might not have the raging fires in their area, but they've been around a lot of people throughout the 
throughout the country that definitely gave them some knowledge that they could share. So yeah, I mean, the message you're putting out, man, it, it's, it needs to be said more. It needs to be definitely said more and more people need to hear it. It definitely is the, uh, the motivator and the inspiration for a lot of things and gets people going. So I I, I thank you for everything you're doing, everything you're saying. So if anybody wants to reach out, you know, I know you put your email out there, but um, they want to reach out to you on the social medias. Where, where are you at? I, I try to keep everything as, as simple as possible. Everything is pretty much crew first culture and that's with a one. So crew one ST culture, uh, Facebook, Instagram, I don't really do much with Twitter, but I got got that too. Um, got a website now, crewfirstculture.com. Go on and got some some articles and things I've written on there. It's got some classes coming up. Uh, it's got podcasts, both my podcasts and podcasts that, that I've been a guest on. Just trying to kind of get everything organized in one area. It's got a shop there that, you know, you can buy t-shirts and hats and whatever as well. And so if you are trying to get a hold of me, email, like I said, but probably just, you know, direct message is the best way to, to kind of get that initial messaging to me. Sometimes I miss emails here and there. So send me a direct message on Instagram or Facebook and, and I will get back to you there for sure. But yeah, that's pretty easy. I hope try to try to keep it pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. Any last words, anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on, you know, my message. I just want to say that, you know, this is kind of something I, I try to say at least in some way or another, every time is everybody out there has a message, you know, for me, I I've, kind of realized over time that I do enjoy talking about leadership and do enjoy talking about fire service stuff, but I'm coming into more and more real realization that my message is the message of, of that real talk, you know, the, of really just kind of being authentic and talking about the things that I am either struggling with or the things that I have struggled with and the lessons I've learned and and hopefully through those stories and through those things I'm sharing can really help others kind of add value to their lives and, you know, one way or another, or just help them to learn some lessons without messing up themselves first. And so that's, that's kind of why I've slowed down a little bit because these things are, man, it takes it, it's deep stuff. Sometimes it, it really kind of takes something out of me to, to share this stuff because, you know, it's not easy to be transparent like that, especially when you're doing it over social media, you know, who knows who is going to see it or hear it. But I feel like that's where I need to be. That, that is, that is going to be what differentiates me from anybody else because nobody else has lived my life. Nobody else has had the experiences that I've had. Nobody else has learned from the, uh, you know, the failures that I have. And so I have that responsibility to share that so that I didn't go through all that for nothing. And so that's kind of, you know, I guess I would say, unfortunately, that's kind of my message because, you know, I, I've got to be honest about that stuff and I have to share things that a lot of people don't share, but that's, that's something I'm proud of because 
if I didn't have those things, the, the mistakes and the failures, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And, you know, I'm going to have a lot more over time to become the person I am later. So I just, I'm happy for every opportunity I get just like this. I'm just very, very honored to, to be asked on here to be able to share a little bit of, of myself and my story and, and everything else. And just, if you're out there, you have a story, start finding ways to share that with others. You know, it doesn't have to be on a podcast or over social media, just with the, with the guy or girl next to you, you've been working with, just try to find ways to help others and in, in the situation that you're, you find yourself in. So that's about it. Okay. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on here today, man. I, I truly appreciate it. And like you said, we all have a story. Jeremy's telling his, I'm telling mine. Everybody's telling it somewhere. Go out, make your own story, share it, and better yourself each and every day. Better the people around you. So with that, Jeremy, thank you. Thank you for coming you. on. And with that, like we say at the Firehouse Tribune, even though it's the 5 Tool Firefighter podcast, until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. today's episode of the five tool firefighter podcast if you like what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live inspired